Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on this chilly, chilly day here in northwest Arkansas. Our temperatures right now are six degrees. Just want to show you on the phone. It is six degrees. And if you look at the bottom, it says it feels like nine below zero, nine below zero. And uh, the wind chill later on is going to bring us overnight to about two degrees. And uh, just in case, you know, you're interested in knowing what the weather's like here, this is absolutely amazing. Um, We're looking at six degrees all the way right now, then it drops at five, and then it is going to be one degree at uh, 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, one degree. And then, of course, if we go to the daily and we look at tomorrow, uh, you're looking at negative five degrees. So it's going to get down to negative five. And it's going to feel like really cold, (laughs) really cold. So we are right now in actual temperature, five degrees. We have a lot of snow. It's beautiful. It's a blanket whiteout. But I believe that we're learning many, many lessons along the way as well. Um, So what we're doing today, we canceled our Sunday afternoon service and we're welcoming uh, whosoever, every, all of our schedules have changed. Everything, we were supposed to be here, there, everywhere, and we've all been pretty well sacked and locked into the area. So um, here we are, and I'm going to wait for some of our family to join us here on Facebook and YouTube and RevMediaTV.com. That's our new platform, Rev 
MediaTV.com. And I sure do wish I could just take a picture for you and some video and show you uh, the weather, the snow. It's been snowing since we woke up this morning. And again, we're at nine below zero. It feels like nine below zero. Now with the wind chill, they're saying that our temperature is going to be 15 below zero with the wind chill and it is windy out. So having said that, it's just a very cold, blustery day. But you know what? It's also Valentine's Day. For those of you who go with the Valentine's Day uh, schematic of things, what we do, Patricia and I, we look at each other, we say, happy Valentine's Day. Give each other a nice warm hug and a kiss, and that's about it for us. We don't do anything more. But it is a day, if we could just generalize it and, and, and purify it and boil it down, um, it should be a day where the love between spouse um, is heightened and a time to show more love than usual. We have these kind of holidays throughout the year with Christmas, if you will, or any of the other Thanksgiving, a day to be thankful when we should be thankful all the time. We should love all the time. Uh, but yet it's a day to really settle down, reflect. And uh, we last night gathered together and in New Wine Ministries and celebrated a pioneer in the faith, Patricia Joy Xavier, uh, Pastor Patricia Joy Xavier, who has been pioneering this ministry uh, for 31 years. She and her husband, Paul, were the first. And after Paul's passing, Patricia took the reins. And um, about a year later, we were married and we've been running for 28 years together. But Patricia has been the real pioneer of this work and this ministry. And so all the fruit that comes from it is going in her direction. Praise the Lord. And the body celebrated her last night. And I was kind of, I was reading in the book of Acts where uh, many of the disciples in Ephesus, I believe it was, Paul had told them that he was leaving and that they would see his face no more. And at the end of the chapter, how they fell on his neck and they kissed him and they were very sorrowful uh, that they would not see him any longer. And I thought about, you know, the idea of um, people who uh, are you know, men pleasers or, you know, the worship of man. That's not necessarily uh, true because people love and miss the people that have ministered in their lives. Uh, obviously, there are people that have had an impact in our lives that we can uh, genuinely say, we're going to miss you and well done. And I'm so thankful for you and thank you for your ministry. As a matter of fact, one of the prophetic words in 1982 by a man by the name of Kerry Bulls um, spoke in Escondido, California over Paul and Patricia in 1982 that, uh, boy, I wish I had the book in front of me right now. I could read the prophecy, but it was basically that people would rise up and say, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for what you've done, because it would be a work that would burn upon the mantle of a fireplace and the candle would melt down the uh, the wax would melt down the candle. The work was like a candle. The wax that dripped over was the anointing. It would spill over. The work would begin in Jerusalem and then the ends of the earth. And it was a beautiful prophecy. And five years later to the day, this ministry began with three people around a kitchen table in Rancho Bernardo, California. And uh, Pastor Paul and Patricia, they ran for three and a half years. Pastor Paul passed away. Patricia and I, a year later, were married, and we've been running, like I said, for 28 years. So to a great pioneer of the faith, Patricia Joy Xavier, again, her birthday week, uh, we've had ice and snow, but the people made it so warm last night, and it was beautiful. They did a nice Italian theme 
So we went into the back room at the church. They had it decked out, and it was just phenomenal. They brought uh, lasagna, spaghetti. They brought cannelloni. I mean, you name it. It was an Italian feast, but it was the warmth of God's love. Remember the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 when uh, Peter went to the house of Cornelius? He was the head of the Italian band, and they had received the Holy Spirit, and they had such a gathering of all their friends and family and kind of felt like that last night. Holy Spirit inspired. So once again, happy birthday to Patricia Joy, Xavier, my beloved wife, today for 28 years, and uh, happy Valentine's Day. And I'm sure there's a lot of different stories about Valentine's Day. Uh, You know, if you come from an Italian background, you remember the Valentine's Day massacre. But let's move on. Anyways, news headlines today. Want to talk with us about that first, but let me just see who's uh, with us so far want to make sure that our family is with us. I see about uh, uh, not too many people calling in on Blog Talk Radio, but that is available. And I want to say good morning to Kevin Hauger, who's our faithful friend, who always makes sure that we are uh, broadcasting. And Kevin, good morning to you. And thank you for doing what you do once again. I see that Dean and Lydia are with us today. Praise the Lord. God is so good. Yes, we are waiting for uh, the message now. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, You're a great help and encouragement, too. That is so true. Ken Wagner, my polar bear weather. Let's go swimming. Ah, Ken Wagner, Pastor Ken, we call him uh, the polar bear ministries. We've always threatened that we were going to send him up to Alaska because he loves this kind of weather. So it's nine below zero with uh, it feels like nine below zero, 15 below with the wind chill factor, five degree, uh, degree Fahrenheit. And Pastor Ken wants to go swimming. So Pastor Ken, enjoy that swim. Let us know how that goes. You know, there are people that actually do that ritually. They go on these ice-cold dumps. I've seen it only from afar. Praise the Lord. Uh, I see Dennis Sossaman is with us. Prepare, not only spiritual but natural as well. Parable of ten virgins. So Denny's ready for some preaching already today. You're going to take up the tithe and offering, by the way, Dennis? Praise the Lord. I believe that would be a great thing to do. Uh, All right. Rev Media is up and going. So Kevin Hauger can tell us how you can get there. If you want to actually view this video and audio broadcast right now, you could go to www.revmediatv. That's Rev, R-E-V, media, TV.com. And then there's a, a forward slash there. I won't even try to repeat the numbers, but Kevin has it listed. So maybe you can copy and paste. Um, and we'll find an easier way to get that done. It just happened the other day with uh, Sister Felicia, who's been helping us. So uh, we are broadcasting now on a new platform, RevMedia.com, Christian-based organization. And they're the people that host our Omega Radio um, Internet. I also see with us today Cindy Messman. You know what Cindy did today? It's snowing out, right? It's five degrees. It's nine degrees below zero is what it feels like. But the wind chill is 15 below zero. Snow everywhere. There are neighbors. And Cindy sent over by the hands of her beloved husband, Mark, a roast with potatoes and rice and beans. And it was absolutely delicious. Mark, you delivered it. Cindy made it. Thank you. We are so blessed, really blessed. God bless you both. And so I see Cindy is with us now, probably Mark as well. So thank you both. Uh, Phil Buswell, good morning and good afternoon. 
to Phil and Miriam. Glad to see that you're with us today. Hopefully everything is broadcasting well. Again, we have plenty of room on Blog Talk Radio for people to call in at any time during the broadcast. And we're going to make this somewhat of an open mic this afternoon. This is our Sunday afternoon service. And I see that uh, Lori and Ray, praise the Lord, we're here with Twam. Hey, the Twam man is there. Tim. Hi, Tim. Welcome. God bless you. So for all of you guys, another blessed family, uh, Ray and Lori and Tim, God bless you. And thank you for your kind love and trust you're all staying warm. I know you are. All right. I also see that Janet Ruth is with us. Sweet Jesus. Amen. He is so sweet, Janet. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Right, Marissa? That's right. All right. I also see that Randolph Kelly is with us today. Yet gleaning grapes shall be left in it as the shaking of an olive tree, two or three berries in the top of the uppermost bow, four or five in the outmost bow, in the fruitful branches thereof, saith the Lord God of Israel. All right. Randolph's ready to get into the word as well. Good morning to Randolph and Carla and, of course, all of our friends up on the ark. I'm pretty sure we're going to be hearing from you shortly. Hey, I see Kathy Bruns. Don't complain. It's 20 below here in South Dakota. I'm not complaining. It's just we never get this weather. It's amazing. Now, if it's 20, did you say 20 below? Now, is it 20 below with the wind chill factor? Does it feel like 20 below or is it really 20 below? My goodness. You know what this reminds me of? Maybe this is a good way to kind of segue into the Word of God a little bit today. We're going to get much deep into it. I'm positive. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus told us we could pray that our flight would not be in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day? Now do we understand why? Because can you imagine fleeing, going into the wilderness, finding that place, having to go from point A to point B, whether it's a mile away or five miles? Today, if we had to flee, it would be a very difficult thing to do. In fact, people are learning some pretty big lessons today. I think this weather has caught us off guard in some areas, and God is wanting us to prepare even more for the days that lie ahead. But here's another one of those days, kind of like COVID-19 caught people off guard. Did you have toilet paper, et cetera, et cetera? Well, Today, we, we learned something fresh. We'll talk about it in just a little bit. Let me continue by saying good morning to Marissa Atterbury. M- Marissa and Chandra and I are watching on YouTube. Augie is here, too. Well, hello, Augie. How are you doing? How's your life? How's the world been treating you? And how have you been treating the world? I trust it's been good. God bless Marissa and her family and Chandra. God bless all of you. We'll welcome to the broadcast and uh, Augie, I was thinking about you the other day. To be honest with you, you came up in conversation. I trust you're doing well. I truly hope so. I believe in Ford. I see that my friend Mark Anderson, all the way from Mexico on his boat. Mark, that's not fair. I know life is not fair. But again, I'm going to say it one more time, Mark. Nine below. It feels like nine below. Snow everywhere. 15 below with the wind chill and five degrees, and you're on your boat in Mexico? You know, the last time I checked, it was 82 degrees and sunny down in Puerto Vallarta. Ah, wonder how close you are to that, Brother Mark. It's good to have you with us today. I see Laquita is with us, and if Laquita's with us, then Callie's with us. Laquita, Callie, I bet even Darlene Michael, Sean, Mike, 
Carmen, Carla, I bet you're all with us too. Good afternoon to you special people, very special people. I see D Choir. Hi, Pastor V. All love to the body of Christ. D Choir. uh, D Corey, number one, I will. Thank you for the love. Praise God. Pass the ammunition, or as my friend Denny would say, pass the pasta, pastor. (laughs) But I I like the love. And and D Corey, thanks for identifying yourself. Let you know who there. So my brother Mark is saying in his wonderful way, it's warm and sunny. I am wearing shorts. Okay, Mark, you're wearing shorts. Well, listen, tomorrow, well, sometime next week when it's about 40, when it soars to 40 degrees here, we're going to put on our shorts too and some sunglasses. We'll give you a photo of it when we see you. All right, so there we have it. A number of our friends are with us. We have a lot more joining us on Omega Radio, on Blog Talk Radio. You could call in at any time at 818-369-0326 if you have something you'd like to share on today's broadcast. I would like to begin with a few news headlines, and I do have a special word uh, that I want to get into as word. So let's begin with a few of the headlines that are going on right now. Uh, Donald Trump hints at a comeback after being cleared of inciting mob siege. Yesterday, as you know, the president was acquitted. He is now capable and able of running for another term, which may be what some of the prophets who said that Donald J. Trump would be a two-term president may have been referring to. Why God didn't tell him about the gap, we don't know. But either way, Donald said this. He has hinted at a political comeback just hours after being acquitted by the Senate in his impeachment trial. In a statement issued from his Mar-a-Lago home, Mr. Trump said, In the months ahead, I have much to share with you, and I look forward to continuing our incredible journey together to achieve American greatness for all of our people. End of quote. By the way, this was President Donald J. Trump, and my beloved wife, Patricia, just gave me a cup of coffee. I'm a happy man. Thank you, Patricia. All right. Amen. So, uh, by the way, let me just repeat what the president said just hours after being acquitted yesterday. He said, in the months ahead, I have much to share with you. Hmm, sounds juicy, doesn't it? And I look forward to continuing our incredible journey together to achieve American greatness for all of our people. Very patriotic. American patriots would absolutely love that tone. And we're hoping to take it to the next level, that kingdom greatness. We want to see kingdom greatness. Amen? Nonetheless, this is what the president said yesterday. Earlier on Saturday, U.S. senators voted 57 to 43, if you didn't know that, in favor of impeaching the former president. But they needed two-thirds. At least 17 Republicans would have had to side, and there were only five traitors that did. So Mr. Trump had been charged with incitement to insurrection. That's what the impeachment was all about. And after an angry mob, you know, the angry mob of his supporters forced their way into the Capitol building on January 6th after attending his political rally. If there was an angry mob, it was one quarter of one percent, probably egged on by Antifa and Black Lives Matter. That's been proven out even during the impeachment trial. 
not just made up from alternative news media sources. Now, however, the votes fell some way short of securing a conviction, which requires a two-thirds majority of the 100 senators. All right. So the 45th U.S. president added, here's what Donald Trump also said, President Trump. He said, we have so much work ahead of us, and soon we will emerge with a vision for a bright, radiant, and limitless American future. Hopefully that's immersed in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So he accused his Democratic opponents of breaking the law, of disrespecting law enforcement officers, and being unable to tolerate viewpoints different from their own. Boy, that must have been a great speech. You know what they did, though? They took the video down. I couldn't even play for you if I wanted to. But that is some really good news. Wouldn't you agree that that is really good news? A couple of other pieces of news that I wanted to take a look at. Uh, I don't know if you know that if this is important or not, but Vadi Bachman, uh, he's asking for prayers as he battles full-blown heart failure. And he's a Christian author and preacher. Vadi Bachman is soliciting prayers, and he's sharing his struggle with heart failure. So everybody that knows Vadi Bachman, uh, you may want to know this. Let me go a little deeper into the article here. It says that uh, Christian author and preacher Vadi Bachman is soliciting prayers, sharing that his family is walking through the darkest valley we have ever faced as he battles a full-blown heart failure. He said, and I quote Vadi Blockman, Brethren, if you have ever considered supporting us in prayer, please do so now. So the U.S.-based preacher, who is the dean of theology at African Christian, Christian University in Zambia, wrote in a post Facebook Saturday. And he said, we are walking through the darkest valley we have ever faced. Not only have we experienced a great deal of loss in recent weeks, but we are also facing a family health crisis. And Bachman, who serves as a board member of Founders Ministries and founding faculty member of the Institute of Public Theology, is on his way to the U.S. for test and treatment. So we wish Vadi very well, no doubt about that. Also in the news, uh, in the same type of thing that's going on, you all may know tele-evangelist Frederick Casey Price. He's been around a very long time. Well, Frederick Price, yep, you got it. He died. He is the founder of the 28,000-member Crenshaw Christian Center in California. He died weeks after contracting the coronavirus. And it's quoted, our husband, father, and your apostle has gone to be with the Lord this evening. The Los Angeles-based televangelist family announced Friday night. So um, it says here that in a quote, we accept his decision to go as he got a glimpse of glory a few weeks ago. We are sad. Please allow us some time to process. He fought the good fight of faith and laid hold of eternal life. Price and his wife, Betty, both tested positive for the coronavirus in early January. All right. So we have the passing away of Casey Price. We have a Vaudy Blockman, uh, Bachman who is in desperate need of prayer. And uh, Donald Trump, again, is hinting at a comeback. And just a little bit more news. I thought this was interesting. They are now expecting, listen to this. If I could only show you this creature, you'd be blown away by it. But the news article is trillions, not billions, but trillions with a T, of cycades. That's a capital C-I-C-A-D-A-S, or cicadas, cicadas. Okay, trillions, cicadas are to swarm the U.S. for the first time since 2004. 
And here's what it says. The cicadas are set to hit the following 15 states, Delaware, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Michigan, North Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia, as well as Washington, D.C. The swarms of these insects can be quite dense, reaching up to 1.5 million per acre. In addition, they are infamous for their loud matting calls, which according to National Geographic can be as loud or even louder than 100 decibels, louder than the sound of an approaching subway train. Wow. So the uh, cicadas will not cause long-term damage to trees, nor will they enter homes, explained Michael J. Raup, emeritus professor of entomology at the University of Maryland, in an interview with Newsweek. He also reassured that the bugs cannot attack pets or small children. So just kind of a weird bug that's coming in. Rather strange-looking bug, and to say the least. It really is. And then, of course, we're experiencing what they're saying in the news again is it is the most active winter weather pattern in decades to sweep across most of the U.S. So it feels like winter has been serving up more wild weather than usual lately. That's because it has been. According to AccuWeather meteorologists, this recent frosty stretch of snow, ice, and frigid temps has been the most active winter weather pattern across the country, likely since the mid-1990s. And the pattern is not letting up as several weather systems are lining up and threatening more snow and ice for the Midwest and Northeast through the end of next week. Winter storms could arrive every two to three days amid the tumultuous pattern, which is due in part to a major buckling of the jet stream. The river of high winds aloft plunged southward over the central United Coast, then swung up along the Atlantic coast in recent days, setting the path for storms to ride along. That active storm track will be fueled by the collision of Arctic air sprawling across the middle of the nation and milder air holding its ground in the southeast. So two systems will come into play during the next storm this weekend, including on Valentine's Day, which is today, in the northeast. All right, so big weather patterns going on. Um, Also, freezing temperatures are causing citywide blackouts in the Dallas area. And here's what it says. North Texas became a casualty of a 250-mile winter storm that left the city and its power grids frozen in its tracks on December 31st, 1978. Near blizzard conditions are currently threatening Dallas and its surrounding suburbs as the Metroplex prepares for terrorizing icy weather. Warnings are also extending indoors as companies and first responders prepare for record-breaking electricity usage as temperatures plummet. As officials fear an overstressed power grid today, take a look back at the winter disaster that city faced in 1979 when 300,000 residents were left helpless against the cold. That must have been really harsh. No doubt about it. This city was ill-prepared to handle the impact of a severe winter storm, and residents paid the price. The power lines from Dallas Power and Lights Company faced the most damage, leaving its whole customer base, almost 20% of the city, with no electricity. Uh, There's a lot more on it. But again, Jesus told us to pray 
that we would not have to flee in the winter. Literally, pray that your flight be not in the winter. Now, I want to do a few articles here, just a few more articles preparing the way for where we're going. Um, and this is about the COVID, all right? This is an article from the Prophecy News Network. This is the PNW, and it's Prophecy News Watch is who they are. And if you know about them, they have great reputation. It's a great source of information. And there's an article here called Beyond COVID, New Pestilences Are Breaking Out All Over the Globe. So let's get into this article, but first... Mm. Man, that coffee is so good, Patricia. Thank you. All right, so here we go. Did you hear about the outbreak of the new mystery disease in Tanzania? What about the alarming new outbreak in Congo? Well, new developments in South Africa are making headlines all over the globe as well. Despite all of our advanced technology, Humanity remains extremely vulnerable to outbreaks of disease, and many believe that the COVID pandemic is just the beginning. Fearsome new bugs are constantly being cooked up in labs all over the planet, and it is inevitable that there will be more accidents, quote-unquote, that result in more of these bugs getting released in the future. As we have seen, a single virus can rapidly spread throughout the entire world, And it is just a matter of time before a pandemic comes along that will wipe out tens of millions of people. Listen, this is not coming from fear-mongering. This is Prophecy News Watch. This is an article that's being shared because of the foreknowledge and the research that has gone forth. Listen to this. This is a hot-button topic for me, and so I am constantly monitoring news sources for new pestilences that may be emerging. Needless to say, when news stories about a new mystery illness in Tanzania started coming out, that definitely got my attention. So a mystery illness which causes patients to vomit blood has killed at least 15 in Tanzania, officials said. More than 50 people have been hospitalized in the south of the country due to the unidentified condition, which also causes nausea in sufferers. Authorities in Tanzania do not know what is causing people to vomit blood and drop dead, but they did suspend the doctor that first reported this outbreak for causing panic. Well, Tanzania has suspended a medical officer who reported that a mystery disease had killed 15 people in the country and caused people to throw up blood. Felista Kasandu, the chief medical officer for the Choyuna district, has described how patients vomit blood and die when they get to the hospital late in an unexplained bout of sickness, which was said to have affected more than 50 people. At this point, officials are insisting that there will not be a wider outbreak. But of course, Tanzania would also have us believe that COVID does not exist in their country when there is a tremendous amount of evidence To the contrary, so far, this new mystery disease does not appear to match the type of killer pandemic that I described in my latest book, but we will continue to monitor the situation. Meanwhile, a new Ebola outbreak in Congo is creating a tremendous amount of concern. Health officials in Congo confirmed another Ebola outbreak in the country's east on Sunday, the fourth in less than three weeks. On February 3rd, a woman died in Butembo town in North Kivu province, 
Minister of Health Etni Longondo announced. The woman from the nearby village of Biana felt sick for a few days before being tested in a clinic there. She then went to a hospital in Butembo, but died before receiving the results. The government has begun tracing everyone who came into contact with her to try to eradicate the epidemic as soon as possible, said Longondo. The good news is that it is not easy to transmit Ebola from one person to another. But of course, Ebola could mutate at any time. So speaking of mutations, the number of cases of super COVID in the United States appears to be doubling about every 10 days. Cases of the super COVID variant that originated in the UK are spreading rapidly across the United States, a new study claims. Researchers estimate that the variant known as B1.1.7 is between 35% and 45% more transmissible than strains seen earlier on in the pandemic. And because of its most contagious nature, infections of the variant in the U.S. appear to be doubling about every 10 days. Some health experts believe that this will cause the largest wave of COVID that we have seen so far, but others dispute that claim. Of even greater concern is the COVID variant that has emerged out of South Africa. At the moment, confirmed cases of that variant have been identified in three different states. The South Africa coronavirus variant has been identified in Virginia, the third state to report a B1.351 variant case, according to February 7 data from the CDC. Maryland and South Carolina have also reported cases of the variant, bringing the nation total to six known cases. One of the reasons why the South African variant is causing so much concern is because vaccines appear to be of little use against it. In fact, South Africa just suspended their entire vaccination campaign after the results of a shocking new study were released. South Africa suspended its uh, vaccination campaign on Sunday, okay, and it is because the AstraZeneca vaccine is less effective against a variant of the virus found in in the country. So the World Health Organization is holding a meeting Monday about the latest development in South Africa. That would be tomorrow. So if the South African strain becomes dominant all over the planet, that will be a complete and utter nightmare for global health authorities. And we are being told that COVID is going to keep mutating in the years ahead. This is a disease that is simply not going to be eradicated. And even the Wall Street Journal is admitting that the virus could be with us for decades. Aren't you glad you know the blood of Jesus Christ? Amen. Governments and businesses are increasingly accepting what epidemiologists have long warned. The pathogen will circulate for years or even decades, leaving society to coexist with COVID-19 much as it does with other endemic diseases like flu, measles, and HIV. So, Those that were expecting their lives to get back to normal are going to be deeply disappointed. Thomas Frieden, the former director of the CDC, says that we need to come to the acceptance phase that our lives are not going to be the same. Again, aren't you glad you belong to a higher reality than what this world has to offer? Praise the Lord. Now, the ease, according to this article, with which the coronavirus spreads 
The emergence of new strains and poor access to vaccines in large parts of the world mean COVID-19 could shift from a pandemic disease to an endemic one, implying lasting modifications to personal and societal behavior, epidemiologists say. So here's their quote, going through the five phases of grief, we need to come to the acceptance phase that our lives are not going to be the same, said Thomas Frieden former director of the U.S. Centers for uh, Disease Control and Prevention, I don't think the world has really absorbed the fact that these are long-term changes, according to what he said. But what Frieden and others experts don't seem to realize is that this COVID pandemic is not a worst-case scenario. Pandemics that are far, far worse are, inev- are inevitably coming, and they will wipe out tens of millions of people. We have now entered an era of deadly pandemics, and society is going to be completely turned upside down as a result. And that was the article from Prophecy Newswatch. Maybe not something you wanted to hear on this fine day, but let's go a little deeper in some other fascinating news. I thought this was absolutely amazing. China engineering super soldiers for its master race. And this is really weird. I had the strangest thought about two or three days ago about this very thing. And then while I was perusing through the news articles, I saw this and I thought, this has got to be an amazing article. Let's read it. It says, Bing Su, a Chinese geneticist at the state-run Kunming Institute of Zoology, recently inserted the human MCPH1 gene, which develops the brain into a monkey. The insertion could make that animals' intelligence more human than that of lower primates. Sue's next experiment is inserting into monkeys the SRGAP2C gene related to human intelligence and the FOXP2 gene connected to language skills. Has nobody in China seen Planet of the Apes? (laughs) Or maybe they have. Biotechnology development in China is heading in a truly Maccabee direction, writes Brandon Weikert of the Weikert Report in an article posted on the American Greatness website. Listen to this. In a communist society with unrestrained ambition, researchers are pursuing weird science. What happens when you mix pig and monkey DNA? Chinese experimenters can tell you. How about growing human-like organs in animals? Yes, they have done that as well. Moreover, Beijing may already be engineering super soldiers. U.S. intelligence shows that China has conducted human testing on members of the People's Liberation Army in hope of developing soldiers with biologically enhanced capabilities, wrote then Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe in a December 3 Wall Street Journal op-ed entitled China is National Security Threat Number One. It is not clear how far Chinese military researchers have gone. They are, however, advocating use of the CRISPR gene editing tool to enhance human capabilities. And the Communist Party's Central Military Commission is supporting research in human performance enhancement and new concept biotechnology. The People's Liberation Army has gone all in on gene editing of humans, as leading analysis Elsa Kania and Wilson Vorn Dick report, there are striking parallels and themes repeated 
by a number of PLA scholars and scientists from influential institutions. So all these Chinese moves are meant to obtain biological dominance. There are, as Ratcliffe noted, no ethical boundaries to Beijing's pursuit of power. So it is clear that the Communist Party is thinking about more than just soldiers. A Chinese researcher is also the first and so far only person to gene edit human embryos that produced live births. So he, Jiankui, while at Southern University of Science and Technology in Shenzhen, used the CRISPR Case 9 tool to remove gene CCR5 to give twin girls born in late 2018 immunity to HIV, but perhaps also to enhance intelligence. The experiment evoked the eugenics program of the Third Reich to create a master race. Hmm. China is in the process of creating the perfect communist. Weikert, also the author of Winning Space, told Gatestone, China is run by a regime that believes in the perfectibility of mankind. And with the advent of modern genetic and biotechnology research, China's central planners now have the human genome itself to perfect according to their political agenda. Hmm. Chinese scientists already are on the road of gene doping to make future generations smarter and more innovative than those in countries refusing to embrace these controversial methods. Quote, what you are witnessing in China, Weikart has written, is the convergence of advanced technology with cutting edge biosciences capable of fundamentally altering all life on this planet according to the capricious whims of a nominally communist regime. Shenzhen's he, after an international uproar caused by news of his dangerous and unethical work, was fined and jailed for illegally carrying out human embryo gene editing. But in the Communist Party's near total surveillance state, he obviously had state backing for his experiments. His efforts are not isolated. Nature Magazine's new term reported in April 2015 that Chinese researchers at Sun Yat-sen University in Guangzhou, in another world-first experiment, edited non-viable human embryos with the CRISPR CAS9, a Chinese resource familiar with developments in the field, said that our at least four groups in China are pursuing gene editing in human embryos, the magazine website stated. So Beijing's prosecution of Mr. He, therefore, looks like an attempt to cool down the furor and prevent the international scientific community from further inquiry into China's activities. Well, unfortunately, China's advances in gene editing human embryos for super soldiers is persuading others they must do the same. Soon, for instance, there will be a lay terminator. The French government has just given approval for augmented soldiers. Quote, we have to be clear, not everyone has the same scruples as us, and we have to prepare ourselves for such a future, declared French Minister of the Armed Forces, Florence Parlay. Michael Clark of King's College London told The Sun, the British tabloid, there is now a biological competition fueled by China. Will we soon have, as the International Society for Military Ethics has dubbed it, a race of homo robocopus? Hmm. 
robots. If we do, China will not be the only part to blame. What is most disturbing about these endeavors is that China has gleaned access to the CRISPR and advanced genetic and biotech research thanks to their relationship with the United States and other advanced Western nations, Weikart told Gatestone this month. So American research labs, biotech investors, and scientists have all striven to do search or research and business in China's budding biotech arena explicitly because the ethical standards for research on this sensitive issue are so low. Now, this will prove to be a long-term strategic threat to the United States that few in Washington, on Wall Street, or in Silicon Valley understand, Leichhardt says, referring to China's rapid weaponization of biotechnology. Technology. And finally, China's regime does not have ethics or decency. They are not bound by law and does not have a sense of restraint. It does, however, have the technology to start a whole new species of genetically enhanced goose-stepping humans. Mamma mia. All right. If it doesn't get any worse, we have one more article to share. I know we're doing a lot of reading, but we're spending our time together. This article, again, caught my eye. But can you believe what, if you were to just take little clippets of all this information, and they, they are in comparison to the volumes of data that are out there through the artificial intelligence and through biotechnology. Uh, now we're manipulating genes, inserting genes into different species and uh, seeking after a uh, super race. I mean, it's really something, and scientists believe they can do it, no doubt about it. The future is going to be very interesting as we enter into the new phases of the end-time Bible prophecy known as the book of Revelation, because it's all spelled out in detail. And I can't wait for us to get back into that book and study it again. But I thought this would be a good way to end the news report. It's called the Surveillance Nation. Big Brother Technology, the Antichrist will love. Yummy, yummy. All right, here's the article. Big Brother is watching you. Sadly, most people don't realize how extensive the surveillance grid has now become. As you drive to work or to school, license plate readers are systematically tracking where you travel. In major cities, thousands of highly advanced security cameras, many equipped with facial recognition technology, are monitoring your every move. If authorities detect that you are doing something suspicious, they can quickly pull up your criminal, financial, and medical records. Don't you feel that kind of in the atmosphere? Well, of course, if they want to dig deeper, your phone and your computer are constantly producing a treasure trove of surveillance data. Nothing that you do on either one of them is ever private. We've known that for a long time. We hope many that are listening in are by this time born again and have gotten saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. However, in the past, compiling all of that information would take a great deal of time. But now tech giants, such as Microsoft, Motorola, Cisco, and Palantir, are selling fusion systems to governments all over the planet. These fusion systems can instantly integrate surveillance data from thousands of different sources. And this has totally transformed how law enforcement is conducted in many of our largest cities. 
Arthur Holland Michael is a senior fellow at the Carnegie Council of Ethics in International Affairs, and he was given a tour of a fusion system that is used by the city of Chicago called CityGraph. He clicked investigate, quote unquote, and CityGraph got to work on the reported assault. The software runs on what Genetic calls a correlation engine, a suite of algorithms that thrall or trawl through a city's historical police records and live sensor feeds looking for patterns and connections. Seconds later, a long list of possible leads appeared on screen, including a lineup of individuals previously arrested in the neighborhood for violent crimes, the home addresses of parolees living nearby, a catalog of similar recent 9-11 calls, photographs and license plate numbers of vehicles that have been detected speeding away from the scene, and video feeds from any cameras that might have picked up evidence of the crime itself, including those mounted on passing buses and trains. More than enough information, in other words, for an officer to respond to that original 911 call with a nearly telepathic sense of what has just unfolded. Mm. But these systems are not just used to track down criminals. In fact, they can be used to investigate literally anyone. On another occasion, Arthur Holland Michael got the opportunity to test out the fusion system that Microsoft had built for New York City. The NYPD official showed me how he could pull up any city resident's rap sheet, list of their known associates, cases in which they were named as a victim of a crime or as a witness, and if they had a car, a heat map of where they intended to drive and a full history of their parking violations. Then he handed me the phone. Go ahead, he said. Search a name. A flurry of people came to mind, friends, lovers, enemies, In the end, I chose the victim of a shooting I'd witnessed in Brooklyn a couple of years earlier. He popped right up, along with what felt like more personal information than I or even perhaps a curious officer had any right to know without a court order. Feeling a little dizzy, I gave the phone back. If this is what is going on in major cities such as Chicago, New York, can you imagine the technology that the alphabet agencies of the federal government must now possess? Of course, this isn't just happening in the United States. On the other side of the Atlantic, a joint European surveillance project known as Roxanne is causing a great deal of concern. An acronym for Real-Time Network Text and Speaker Analytics for Combating Organized Crime. That was the acronym. It was announced in November of the Republic's involvement in the project currently being developed in Switzerland. So a biometrics-based platform, ostensibly to monitor and crack down on organized crime, an additional application of Roxanne, which creators advertise freely, is the ability to monitor those guilty of alleged hate speech and political extremism. Strict new laws against hate speech and political extremism are being instituted all over Europe, and this new tool will help to track down thought criminals. In particular, this new tool will be heavily monitoring social media sites such as Facebook, YouTube, as well as normal telecommunications platforms. A product of the EU-funded Horizon 2020. Now, can we stop for just a moment? I, I, I wish you would, right? Let me just throw this out about hate speech. It's our First Amendment, right? So it's one of the rights of being an American, the freedom of speech, 
What is hate speech? Donald Trump inciting the mob on January 6th? Or was it nine months of the left and the people in political positions of power inciting the mob to burn it down, kill the president, punch him in the face? I mean, it was brought out beautifully by the lawyers that were representing the president during the impeachment debauchery. But what was the hate speech? Was it Maxine Waters saying, go out there and fight him, fight like hell, fight, fight, beat him up? But I mean, it went on. Was it Madonna telling that maybe she wanted to blow up the Capitol building? I mean, where did the hate speech, what, what side is hate? Is it speaking against abomination? What is hate speech? Well, again, it depends on who's in power. And unfortunately, at this very moment, the people that have claimed the positions of power in our nation and the global agenda around the world, not so sure what they're going to do with it. Are you? Let's see what happens in the moment ahead. But um, without going any further, I think I'm going to stop right there because I think that's enough reading. My wife probably would have told me 45 minutes ago that was enough reading. Patricia Joy, you're probably right. But I wanted to bring this up because there are probably 1,000 other headline news story stories that are taking place around the world that would once again confirm that we are living in the last days of time as we know it on this earth. I believe that the Bible is replete with biblical, spiritual, truthful information to anybody that has an ear to hear and eye to see and a heart to understand that we are living in the last moments of time. We're there. We've been in it to some degree for a long time. And we've experienced the beginning of sorrows, the labor pains of globalization, the labor pains of national um, brokenness. We're witnessing the pandemics. We're witnessing the pestilences and the hurricanes and the earthquakes and the tornadoes and the floods and the fires. And you go on down the list and we, we, we're just seeing the earth itself shaking. And I've shared before many times in scripture that uh, the earth, because of the people's sin upon it, the earth would literally vomit out the inhabitants. The people sin, and the earth is a living organism. I believe that with all of my heart. Not a human organism, but the earth is a living organism. And when the, the grain of sin sinks down into its body, so to speak, into that organism, the earth has a tendency to vomit out. It gets sick. It heats up. We see all these volcanoes blowing. We see these massive windstorms and hurricanes and tornadoes. And what this is, is the earth is in, is in commotion and the turmoil. It's like somebody having a really bad sickness and they're throwing up and they've got a fever and they're coughing and they're freezing and they're going through all this different uh, stuff, symptoms in their body. Well, the earth is also only going to take so much itself. I mean, just the idea that it's a living organism, okay? It's literally a life-giving organism. It gives us food and, and air and water and, 
I mean, the earth, God created it, and God said that whoever uh, does the earth wrong, wrong is going to be done to them. That's a paraphrase of what the Bible says. But I want you to just think for a moment. You're a living organism, right? You're a human. You're the highest evolved. And God created an organism called the earth to take care of you. And when human beings do not take care of the earth, it gets sick like anybody else would that's not taken care of. If you put enough garbage in, you're going to eventually meet up with trouble. You feed your body a bunch of garbage and a bunch of junk for a period of time, eventually it's going to show up. It may be hidden for years. And so what we're witnessing right now through a biblical lens, what's going on in this planet, is man's sin is becoming so gross that the earth can no longer stomach it. And it's vomiting and it's throwing up, and it's, it's heating up with fever, and it's shaking and convulsing with chills. Do you understand? That's just wisdom right there for you. Because, and again, you could read, when Israel was on the earth and the inhabitants had sinned, the earth vomited them up. The earth vomited them. In fact, you go back to the Garden of Eden, when man sinned, God cast them out, and it says that the, they, the earth would no longer produce. The earth wouldn't even produce for them. It shut down the earth's ability to supply, and God stepped in and intervened. We could look into those scriptures on another day, but it's in your Bible. You could search that out. It's there. So the sins of the human race, rather than diminishing, are escalating. And it's exactly what the Bible told us would happen in the last days, that men would become more evil. Evil men would, wor- would wax worse and worse, okay? And that's not to say that everybody on the earth is evil. There are good people, but remember, good and evil is all part of the same tree of death, okay? So we got to really be careful that, oh, good and evil, Well, they both end up in death without the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, no doubt about it. But the fact is that sin is getting to the point of the days of Noah. Jesus said it would be like the days of Noah. And in the days of Noah, the imaginations of everyone's thoughts and their heart was only wicked. Violence filled the earth. Man's sin was thrown out. It was Sodom and Gomorrah. And now the nations of the earth today are Sodom and Gomorrah on steroids. Would you agree? Sodom and Gomorrah, the appetites, the activities, all of the pride and uh, the the idleness and, and the abundance of bread, along with their sexual depravity. Okay, so we see a world that is promoting uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, rebuilding it, bringing it back to life, and the pollution of man's depravity and perverseness is affecting not only himself, but the world around him and the earth that he lives upon. And why that is, why the earth has an intellect that God gave it, that it can't stand certain sin, like the shedding of innocent blood. And that's probably one of the things that the earth cannot stomach, Innocent blood being shed and the, and the shedding of hundreds of millions of little babies that never made it out of the womb that were murdered by the taxpayer-funded Planned Parenthood around the world. Ninety-some-odd million babies murdered right here in the United States of America. This is innocent blood. This is blood being flushed down the toilets, flushed down the sinks, running beneath our feet in the tubes and the pipes. 
in the water lines of our country, in the sewage systems. The earth is saturated with the blood of the innocents that is crying out for justice. And there's a lot more innocent blood that has been shed. But that and then the, uh, the in-your-face blasphemy, the vibration of the tone of blasphemy that comes out of Hollywood. I mean, the reason why the world's getting as weird as it is and the reason why we're, we're reading about this end-time stuff that's going on is because evil is becoming more evil. And the evil scientists are coming to power. And all the evil technocrats are coming to power. The evil men, the billionaires, the real power, governments are nothing, believe me. Governments mean nothing to the technocrats and the social engineers and the scientists of our day. They are looking at government as a failed work, as they are looking at the church as a failed work. Because these technocrats and scientists and engineers are saying, if government worked, the world wouldn't be in the situation that it's in. If the church worked, then the world wouldn't be in the condition that it's in. So they are determining a massive takeover, and they, through their technology and their, all of their technocracy and science and engineer and all their abilities – they are going to become the new leaders of the world. And they can do it because they possess the wealth of the world. They just pay governments. They set people up by money. They are the shadow government. They are the people behind the scenes. They are the satanic Luciferians that buy and sell wars. They raise up kings and set them down. I mean, these are the people behind the scenes. And after all these years, the days of Noah are on the way. Genetic modification, genetic uh, engineering. I mean, what they're messing around with embryos and little baby parts and how they're taking different, you know, just it's, it's insane. But they believe in their cause. They believe in their purpose. They believe. And they're gaining so much ground because of the voluminous, sin that is being committed in our earth. And if the world itself, sinners who do sin, but even they had a moral boundary, I mean, all mankind is sin, but there was always a moral boundary of consciousness knowing what is good and what is evil. You didn't have to be a born-again Christian to know it was wrong to steal cookies when you're a little boy or girl. You knew. That's why you hid, your hand, you hid it behind your back. You, you knew it was wrong to lie. You knew it was wrong to curse. You just crossed over the boundaries. But there are boundaries in the human race. And when those boundaries are eradicated, mankind, he, he stretches out into the realm of this debauchery and sin, and he engages in many things. And the further he stretches out beyond his warning system, eventually the boundaries are gone, and there's no resistance any further, and he becomes reprobate useless, literally, to the mind of God, to the work of God. And in our society, that's what's happening, what happened in the days of Noah. Eradication of the boundaries of human limitation in the realm of sin. There is no resistance. Every man will do what's right in his own eyes. There is no holding back. And the, the world's looking at the Christians going, what are you holding back for? This is our time of expression, and your antiquated, outdated book called the Bible, and all that you guys are doing in your religious ceremony, and your organizational structure, 
And how did they begin with the, with the organization of religion, even Christianity? Compromise, little by little, one little bit by one little bit. Just a little bit of compromise here, a little bit of compromise here. Tolerate here, tolerate there. And before you know it, we have a church literally tolerating everything that the Bible calls wicked and abominable. And now you're called to be the hate speech people if you speak out against what is evil. So it's all forming, isn't it? And you got to ask yourself at the end of the day, Christian, what is your, what is your story going to be before God? What is my story going to be before God? Did I shut my mouth in the face of adversity? What did I do? Did I capitulate? Did I tolerate? Did I compromise? Well, we're going to talk about it in just a moment. Because quite frankly, you can't really tell a difference if you take away all the facade between the church and the world. You look at human beings, you put a whole group of people, and for the most part, you can't tell who anybody is. Whereas there should be, and I know in in the end time harvest, there's a growing up together, the wheat and the tares, they're both growing. They'll eventually going to show. That part is true. I agree with that. But I'm talking about the, the church acting like the world and the world infiltrating the church. Because anybody that goes against the flow of the wickedness, people are coming to say, why are you holding back? Why are you restraining? And we are a restrainer. We are being restrained. Why? What restrains you as a Christian man or a Christian woman? I want to ask you that question. What restrains you? Are you restrained by the fear of going to hell? Are you restrained by, I don't know, what, what is it? Is it you love God? Is it your love for God that restrains you? Why don't you do what you used to do? What is holding you back from partaking of flesh paradise what's holding you back well the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom so maybe it's the fear of god love i love god but you know i could say i love god from here to eternity but how do i know i love god if i don't love my brother who i see if i see my brother have a need and i don't take care of him well how is that the love of god and how could i walk around saying oh i love god i love god but I'm not loving his own people, not loving my own brother, my own sister. Love thinks no ill, right? Love does no ill. What is, what is this love for God? To obey him. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, Jesus said. So I, my love is tested. My love is proven. Okay. So I love God. And because I love God, I also fear God. Because I know that God is not a respecter of anybody, and everybody could say, I love God. Oh, I love God. I love God. New Agers could say they love God because he's the cosmos. I mean, anybody could say they love God. But the only way to truly know you love God is to obey God, to do what God says to do. And God gave us a book called the Bible. If we don't believe that, then we're never going to have pure instructions. We're going to be thinking out of our own minds about what God wants. God kept his word. It's been preserved in a book called the Bible. And you and I have a responsibility to read this book by the anointing with the Holy Spirit and to do what it says to do. And why do I do that? Because I love God 
but I fear God. And I believe that the fear of the Lord is going to produce a greater love for the Lord. I know he loved me. He first loved me. And that's really why there's even an inkling of I love you back. Because if you loved me, how can I not love you? So what I want to talk for just a few minutes about is out of Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Okay, we could read, again, a thousand more articles on proof that we are living in the last days, the last moments of time. And there must be a people prepared for the last days. All right, so let's get into it. And I want to go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And I want to read verse 1, and we're going to go through this, and I want to bring some definition, and this will be our Bible study, okay? In light of, and we're going to connect it with what we've done for the last hour and eight minutes. Psalm 51, verse 1 says, to the chief musician, this is a little background to why this psalm was written. It is a psalm of David, a song, and it was a psalm that David wrote when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. You know the story. David had Bathsheba's husband murdered. David went into Bathsheba, okay, produced offspring with her. David was insane, okay, at that moment. And now he's writing a psalm after this whole event, and he says in verse 1, and wait, before I go, come on, stay with me, okay? Maybe I lost some of you out there with all the news reports and all that, but stay with me right now. I want to ask you a question, a real honest question. Have you in your life done anything comparable to what David did? I just want to ask you that. Were you minding your own business one day? You should have been out fighting, but you were in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing with the wrong people, right? And you, you looked out over your balcony, and there you saw your sin. David's sin with, was Bathsheba. Have you ever been in the position where you saw your sin and your heart went after it? You desired it. You lusted after it. You wanted it. But in order to get it, you had to do some things. Because your sin was connected to something else, and you had to get that something else out of the way. You had to remove by stealth that thing out of the way. And David did that with Bathsheba's husband on several occasions, but he was so faithful that it drove David crazy. like the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of Christ, and you're trying to literally push that away so that you could focus on getting what you want because your appetite, your lust, your desire – was so intense you couldn't control it, okay? Well, that's where David was. And have you ever been there? And have you ever murdered somebody to get what you wanted? Okay, David did. He did not directly murder Bathsheba's husband, but he had him murdered, which made him partaker of his blood, okay? So David committed adultery with another man's wife, David had that other woman's husband, that woman's husband, murdered. David lied. David was engaged full-blown in his sin. Have you ever been there to that degree? Maybe further. David says this. 
in the second part of verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according unto the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Now, you have to get behind the scenes, and only by the Holy Spirit can we know what was the tone of David's heart. What was the tone of his heart? I mean, he had already committed the crime. He had already gotten Bathsheba pregnant. He had already partaken of his sin. Is it a drug addiction for you, alcoholism, pornography? Is it lying, stealing, cheating? What is it? Okay, he already committed the sin full-blown, and all the attachments connected to it. And at this point, because Nathan, the prophet, had gone to David and broke the delusion off his mind by speaking the truth to him in love, by telling the story about the man that had his own sheep and then the other man that only had one, and the man that had plenty took his sheep, and David was enraged, said, I'll go kill the man. He said, you are the man. You are the man. Man, the penetrating words of that prophet Nathan must have just bypassed every satanic thing going on in David. Because you know there was satanic stuff going on in his heart. And the condemnation and the guilt and the shame and the knowing that he never brought to the surface. How many of you know that there are things in people's lives they'll never bring to the surface? They have to hide behind. They'll never let it out. They'll never let anybody see. They'll never show it. It's hidden. It's deep. They could never, ever let anybody know. David had to ignore himself. He murdered this man's wife. He committed adultery. He took something that wasn't his. He had to hide what he did from himself. He buried it. And I know people that do the same thing. They have buried their sin. They have buried what they have done, and they, they, they are so far removed from what they've done because they could never deal with it face to face. And they could never confess what they've done, ever, for fear or just the idea of how awful it was what they did. There are people like that. But David came to this point after being exposed by the prophet Nathan where he's crying out for mercy. And he's asking God to send him tender mercies. What a contradiction. I have vilely, violently sinned, but I'm asking for your tender mercy. Seems a bit unfair, doesn't it? So what was the tone of David's heart? Nonchalant? Hey, God, I heard about your tender mercies. Why don't you fill me with some of that? So I don't feel guilty about what I did. I don't think so. I think David's heart, when he was convicted by that prophetic word in his heart, something burst. His love for God that he had as a little boy, David's love for God when he was worshiping with the sheep and taking care of them, and he fought the bear and the lion before he was ever made a king. You see, sometimes it's when we get to our high place what our biggest problems come from. The Bible teaches us explicitly, by the time you get to a high place, if you're unprepared, you could go down in flames. And that's why ambition to get somewhere without being thoroughly purged, is dangerous. Ambition to be, ambitions to be, ambitions to be known, ambitions to do all these things, get to the height, get to the top. If it's premature, 
It's the most dangerous thing that could ever happen in your life. And that is the proof of many. We know that. So David is reverting, in my understanding, of why he's crying out to God's mercy and his tender mercies, is he's reverting back because the conviction penetrated and his heart burst open and the affections of of his heart for his God came back to him. And he wasn't just asking nonchalantly. He was going to his God who he knew and loved and worshipped earlier on. And he was pleading with him to know that mercy again because his spirit had been absent of the presence of God during this sin thing. His conscience had been devoid of God's presence. He wasn't able to fellowship with God. He wasn't able to intimate with God. He couldn't worship God. He had been so buried by his sin, there was nothing he could do. He was an empty shell of a man. He had what he wanted. He had his sin, but he was an empty shell of a man. And now the conviction brought the memory, the fragrance, my God. He remembered the intimacy. He remembered the times out in the open fields. He remembered. I believe this. And I believe now he's saying, God, I need your tender mercies. I need you to blot out my transgressions. I can't carry them anymore. I can't, I can't handle it anymore. You know what happened in David's life after this experience? His son betrayed him. One of his daughters was raped. Tamar, I think it was. There was a conspiracy in this family. David left the, uh, the throne, was walking through the streets with a man throwing stones at him. David's sin opened a door to a lot of bad stuff in his life. There's no doubt about it. But at this time, He's asking God to blot out the transgression. And that's why David was able, when the man was throwing stones at him, and and one of his guys said, let me go kill him. He said, let him alone. It's from the Lord. David knew that part of his judgment for what he had done, even though he had been forgiven, he knew that there were some repercussions for what he had done. Now, that was Old Testament. We are in a new covenant. There's greater hope than ever before. So don't get disillusioned or disappointed here. But just get behind the scenes and understand that sometimes when things aren't working out the way that we'd like or things are bad, maybe it has something to do with our conduct or something we've done, right? But here David is praying, blot out. You know what I love about that phrase? It means exactly that. It's the makah. And that word literally means wipe out my transgressions. Rub, erase. Abolish. These are the Hebrew words. David wanted it out of his soul. The memory, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation. He wanted it erased out of his soul. And so he cries out in verse 2. Psalm 51 verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Now, I'm going to work backwards here for just a little bit. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. The word iniquity here is the avon. And the actual meaning of the word iniquity is perversity and depravity. Mm. Iniquity is a sin. It's not like putting a hammer on your finger and saying, oh, Darn it, or something like that. Or getting angry at somebody on the road. 
because they're doing 30 miles an hour in a 75 mile an hour zone, whatever. Iniquity is dealing with a depravity of the human nature, a perversion so deep out of the human nature, the sin nature. And this is what was driving David into his sin, his perversity and his depravity. He was depraved. And it also talks about mischief, and it talks about punishment. So in the scripture, it also deals with his guilt, by the way. He's saying, wash me thoroughly from my depravity and from my perversity. Maybe today you would search your heart or ask the Lord to be a candle into your heart and ask him to light up your heart and see if there's any wicked thing in you. Search my heart, O God, has been the cry from the beginning of time. See if there be any wicked way within me. Examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. Look into your heart. Let Let the light of God shine inside of you. Is there any depravity? Is there any perversion in your spirit? What a great question. You have to admit, that's a great question. I expect about half of our audience to start dropping off here any minute now because the demonic really doesn't want to deal with this. See, the demons inhabit the areas of perversion and depravity of the human soul, the nature. But have you ever felt within yourself you would never show it to anybody else. You would never reveal it to anybody else. You would always put on a cloak to hide that. But do you know within yourself to be any perversion or depravity? Don't answer it out loud. Well, David knew it. And he was asking God to wash him thoroughly from this iniquity. Well, to wash here literally is the kibos, and it literally means, now listen to this. This is how you deal with perversity. This is how you deal with depravity. Okay, you've got to understand this. And this is why some people, I believe, are having a hard time in their lives. Because what they're saying is, oh, wash me from my iniquity, right? And they're thinking, God, put me in warm, warm, warm water and give me a soft cloth. Put some soap on me and give me a nice little bath. That's not what the word wash here means in the Hebrew. It comes to depravity and perversion of our soul. The word wash literally means to wash by treading. In other words, to perform the work of a fuller. It means literally to trample. To trample, to wash properly by stamping with the feet, including the fulling process, to be like a fuller soap. What is it saying here? Depravity and perversion cannot be lightly dealt with. And seeing that the areas of the soul carry iniquity, the depravity and the perversion that remains and only you or I know it, that is the habitation of the devils in that area. That most likely is where the strong man is seated. 
That is where the demonic has inhabited, taken root, taken residence in the soul. And that sin, even though you can confess it verbally, the perversion and and depravity are still working inside. And of course, again, nobody shows that. Everybody cloaks that, hides that. Nobody talks about that. The deep levels of perversion and depravity. Okay? But the answer that David gives us is not just confession. He's begging God to trample it. To tread it down with the feet. In other words, God, whatever it takes to come into my soul and tread this thing down. It's violent. It is a deep work of the Holy Spirit of God. And if that does not happen, those spirits will never leave. The perversion and depravity will always remain. David didn't want it to remain. He begged God to trample him or that area. That depravity, that perversion, that lust, whatever it is. So he says, wash me. How? Trample me down how? Thoroughly. Thoroughly. Rabah. And that word simply means, I mean, the definition has a lot of different aspects to it, but it means to just take authority, increase the level of warfare against this in my life, just trample the daylights out of it, right? Tread down this perversion, this depravity, this debauchery in my soul, in my conscience, in my subconscious, in my mind, wherever it's found, wash it. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ. How was he murdered? How was his blood shed? By beating, by trampling, by treading. That blood is not a weak thing. The cleansing of the blood of Jesus is a very extremely violent DNA. That was not passive little lamb shedding the blood. That was vicious treading. No wonder why Yeshua had to be slaughtered on the cross slaughtered violently. Why? Because that's the requirement for this iniquity of the soul of man. Not a passive little lamb, slut the throat, playing their blood. No. Pierce his head with thorns. Rip the beard off his face. Strike him, spit on him, slice him and dice him until you cannot recognize him. Isaiah 53 said he was unrecognizable. But why? Why such a brutal murder? Because that's the requirement for the depravity and the perversion of the human soul. You will never look at the blood of Jesus Christ as a light thing ever again. And we are washed in his blood according to Revelation 1-7, who washed us in his blood, which means that depravity and the perversion can go. It is defeated. It is eradicated, erased. It is gone. 
with the proper application of the blood of Yeshua in the faith over that act of sin that was committed. And he took the punishment for us. Our punishment is upon him. Now we understand why Yeshua's death on the cross was as brutal as it was because he was paying for the deepest depravity and perversion of the human soul. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome, saints? Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. Praise God. So David knows a little bit about this, and he's asking the Lord to do it. But David did not have the same covenant that we had. David never really experienced the full and complete deliverance because he didn't have the covenant of grace that you and I have today. Wow. They're telling me my program's almost over and I'm just getting started. So what I'm going to do, wow, that went quick. Uh, for all of our friends on Blog Talk Radio, it doesn't look like anybody's there anyway. It looks like everybody's on the, good, on the, uh, we'll stay live then. Um, but we just won't be able to chat. So let's go back to it. Let's go back to it. We're going to keep on going. Blog Talk's going to say goodbye. And I want to go through these. Maybe just do verse seven. So wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Okay, the cleansing is to make me pure. Ceremonially, it literally means to be bright. You see, what happens in this definition is when the iniquity is thoroughly washed, when the perversion and the depravity is gone, now the cleansing stream comes and it produces the brightness and the ability to truly be pure. You may have been wanting to be pure your whole life as a Christian believer, but have never had the depravity and perversion dealt with in your life. And I believe that we're now what the Lord is saying to his people, I am wanting to come and I'm wanting to wash you thoroughly from the iniquity that was committed in your bloodline, whether you did it, whether your forefathers did it, whether it goes all the way back to Adam, I'm coming to deal with the iniquity of my people so that the cleansing stream could come and they will truly be pure without the interference of this stumbling block. And now I'm going to have a radiant, bright army standing at the ready in the last days because they're going to allow me to take what my blood produced when I was trampled on the cross, tread down. I'm going to convey that work into their lives at that root of iniquity. And this is awesome because wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. There's a difference between iniquity and sin. And that sin is basically just a sinful condition, the guilt of my sin, an offense, okay? I like that. I heard someone once say that sin, you confess your sin, God, forgive me for doing, you know, I should have never said that. Forgive me, Lord covered. But that's not how you deal with depravity. That's not how you deal with perversion. 
That's not how you deal with that deep stuff. That's iniquity. And iniquity brings into bondage. Sin, uh, I'm not concerned about. Yeah, I blew it. I hate the fact that I did, but that's under the blood. I'm cool with that. But this other thing, it brings you into bondage. And though you want to serve the Lord with your whole heart, it's there like a chain. And if Jesus Christ came to set the captives free, then that's the area of thought from the divine mind of God that needed to be concentrated on. It wasn't a light thing that man did. It wasn't a light thing. The sin of mankind created a, a, a just did so bad. But Christ has come to cleanse that. And to me, that's the true gospel. And I know he can do it. And that's what deliverance is all about, to apply this knowledge, this revelation to an individual. And then by the Holy Spirit who searches the hearts, if the heart is truly committed and desiring, like King David. If King David were living here today and he had been through the same experience and he was just weirded out, he'd have a different experience in this life. I believe that. If he could apply it, nobody gets away with anything. Don't ever think, oh, yeah, you're going to go to Jesus because you're going to get away. Nobody ever gets away with anything. God is perfect in his justice. Listen to this. Verse 3, here's a secret. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. In other words, what I've done, I can't shake it. I can't get rid of the image. I can't get rid of the thought. I can't get rid of it. The emotion, it's relived over and over. It's ever there. But I've acknowledged it. To acknowledge the transgression is the yada, and that simply means to, I know. I'm aware. I'm not hiding it. I've become aware of my sin, okay, and my transgressions. Verse 4, against you. Listen to this, because this is the truth. This is the truth. David murdered Bathsheba's husband. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. David produced offspring with Bathsheba. Listen to this. Against you, God, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. See, David came to a place of saying, you saw it. Now I know you saw what I did. And what I did as a depraved, perverse beast of a man, I did against you. You had blessed me. You had brought me into this power, position of a king. For you and I today, you have saved me by your grace. You have brought me out of darkness into light. And to sin this way, now he's saying, man, I see it. Have you ever really seen your sin the way that God saw it? Have you ever really viewed your actions the way that God viewed them? It would make you cringe. It would make you bow your head in shame and humiliation.
But that's a good place to be when you're ready for the cleansing, for the washing. And then, verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What are you doing, David? Are you making excuses? David, what are you doing right now in this prayer, in this song? You're acknowledging something. You're acknowledging your humanity before God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what he's saying. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you shall make me to know wisdom. Some hope coming out. But again, David knew what was right and wrong. He wasn't created without an ability to choose. He chose to do what he knew was evil. Parts of the human nature just are what they are. But there was also a moral barrier, and he crossed it. And in verse uh, 7, by the way, I had a friend in California She would never stop, verse 6. You desire truth in the inward parts. God wants truth in the inward parts. Where does truth go in your head? No, in the inward parts. Truth, what's down there? And that truth has to get into every part. You desire truth in the inward parts. You don't want any secret sin. You don't want any hidden sin, any buried sin. You want truth. And that truth lights everything up. So you go, aha, I get it. Truth. Purge me, verse 7, with hyssop. Wow. You see the desperation? Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Mm. I love it. Same word for wash. The word purge. Kind of the same idea as the kata, and it just means to cleanse. Yeah, it's just deep, reconcile. So I felt today I wanted to bring this out and give us something to think about as how are we really going to stand in the last days And I believe what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, if there's depravity, if there's perversion in your soul, you won't stand. There's an antidote. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Some of you have probably never, ever dealt with what we're talking about today. You've never understood it. You didn't know how it worked. You've desired freedom, but you never knew how to apply it. And it's going to require your faith. The only way that this works is according to your faith. How powerful is the blood of Jesus Christ in your life? I declare to you today that it's powerful enough to deal with the very root of all perversion and depravity in your soul and in mine and on everybody that calls upon his name. And understand what we have done. Let the full weight of what we have done come up in us. Stop burying it. 
I know the Bible says that in Romans 6 that we're now ashamed of the things that we used to do. And absolutely we are. We have been. We would never do it again. But if you've never really experienced it, you've got to see it for the way God saw it. You've got to see what you've done. Not just you were wrong. You did bad. Society doesn't accept that. You sinned against these people. No, no, no. This is the way God saw you, the way that God saw me. Take it to him. Confess it to him. See it. And if you can't, just ask the Holy Spirit, show me. Show me what I have done. That's what David said. I have acknowledged. I have come to a place of knowing what I've done, and my God, do I repent. Having accomplished this, we can go on in the psalm, and having accomplished it, it just is a matter of uh, verse 8. Let's just go for it. I'm in no rush, five more minutes. Verse 8 says, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. And you see, I really believe that was what was going on in David. He hadn't heard the Lord for a long time. He hadn't been entertaining his presence. He hadn't been enjoying, rejoicing, worshiping over all the great stuff that God had done in his life. He was was locked up. He was broken. God broke his bones. In verse 9, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. He goes over it again. God, hide your face from what I've done. Please don't, don't even look upon what I've done. That's an impossible request. God knows. But the point in the new covenant is God totally eradicates, erases, washes. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Where did he take it? On himself. When his blood was shed, it was violent to remove the stains, the roots, memories to cleanse. I mean, we're talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. We're living in a world that's sin-sick. It is a sin-sick world. You and I were in it. There is depravity. We should not be shocked. We used to hear all the time in our church, should never expect or be strange about the unredeemed acting unredeemed. We live in a sin-sick world. The mind of this world is getting darker and darker, and the depravity is growing more and more. Evil men shall wax worse and worse, and the perversion is going to get worse and worse. Don't expect it to get better. But for that one person that wants out, there is a way, and his name is Jesus. He is the way out. What a humbling message, eh? What a tremendous amount of humility is necessary to grasp these things, isn't it? I mean, really, who are we? We are sinners saved by grace. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Can you now see the ridiculousness 
of boasting in anything when the Lord has done everything. The only thing is he came to us and he drew us, knocked on our door and we said yes. That's all. And we keep saying yes, yes, yes. I want my vessel clean. I desire holiness and purity. And I want no root of any shame or disgrace or depravity or perversion. I want it out. And if the only thing that's going to do it is this blood that was violently shed, then I'm going to take it in. I'm going to apply it. I'm going to put it on my brain. I'm going to show it in every area. Every time perversion tries to show up, I'm going to lay the blood to it. Come on. It's warfare. Simple warfare. Create in me a clean heart, O God. There it is. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Not a depraved, perverse spirit, but renew a right spirit in me. Get me to be like when I was a child before I did what I did or before I knew the generational bloodline curses. Bring back the innocence again. Let me become innocent within you, before you, in this life, right here, right now, by your blood, innocence. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Give me new thoughts, new ideas. Get the perversion out of my brain, out of my head, out of my mind. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Uh-uh. No way. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Oh, God forbid. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. No, sir. No, sir. No, don't take your spirit from me. I will do whatever. And God says, I've done it. Believe. Have faith. Man, man, oh man, God, oh God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. David once had it. He rejoiced in it. He knew it. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Oh God, be the wind beneath my wings. Be the rock beneath my feet. Help me to stand. Help me to soar. Help me to run, to fight, to win, to battle. Help me to be everything you want me to be, a warrior of yours living in the last days when all things are coming to a head. The beginning of sorrows has already begun, and now the labor pains are advancing. They're accelerating. They're intensifying because everything is about to be shaken. This woman is screaming in travail. This earth is screaming in travail. The pangs of what is coming and what is being birthed, two things. The sons of God, hallelujah, at a new world order. Lucifer is on his way. The birthing of a satanic moment on this earth like never seen before on the face of the earth. Most people want to run and hide, but God will have a people. Standing without accusation. 
because they've received the atonement. If that doesn't make you feel rich on the inside, I don't know what will. You ought to just turn to somebody, give them a great big hug right now. Just give them a hug like crazy, like a Valentine's smooch. Mm, That's good. And give God the glory. So when you restore unto me the joy of of your salvation and you uphold me with your free spirit, then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. Oh, mama mia. You see what I'm saying? David say, man, if if I get this, I'm going to teach them how to get it too. I'm going to go on a soul-saving campaign. I'm going to make Mario Murillo look like a kindergartner. I love you, Mario, by the way, if you ever heard this. I used to interview Mario Murillo all the time. He's been here to Northwest Arkansas. He's searching for souls, but we need to outrun Mario. We need to go on a soul-searching campaign. Let the Holy Spirit, like we talked about the other day, guide us to the man in the pool of Bethesda. Jesus went right to him, found him of all those people. Boom. We need to go find the lost. Those that are sunk in their shame and iniquity. Those who are being drowned in their perdition. We need to bring them to this Christ and the cross of this Christ and the blood of this Christ. And we got to be able to teach them and show them what God has done. Tell them what great things the Lord has done on free us. Well, I'm going to stop right there. The rest of it's really good stuff. Donald Trump was acquitted. Praise the Lord. What's more powerful? His acquittal of a bunch of liars and hypocrites who hate God? The left Democrats that were there lying and spinning their stories? Or is it Donald Trump's acquittal from the throne of heaven for the sins that he's committed in his life? What's better, the acquittal of men or the acquittal of God? What's better for you, the acquittal of men or the acquittal of God? And the cry of his heart to his son, to his daughter, not guilty. Not guilty. Ooh, Jesus. Well, I'm happy. I'm happy. Can I say I'm happy? All right. Hyssop. You want to know what hyssop is? Let's go get some hyssop. I see my brother Ray's there. Wash me with hyssop. What is hyssop? Let's go take a look. Well, hyssop. Where is hyssop? What verse is that? There it is. So purge me with hyssop. So the hyssop is the Azob or the Azobi, okay? And the Azob is hyssop. It's a plant used for medicinal purposes. Wow. It's a medicine. Wow. It's used in sacred purifications. 
the medicine. Just think, you, me, and hopefully millions of others on this planet in these last days healed by the great physician and the medicine that he gives is his blood, his blood. And it makes whiter than snow. Get the poison out of me. Holy spirit. Wash the satanic toxins out of my soul and out of my bloodstream. Make me the man or the woman that we've been called to be. Strong, made in the image and likeness of God. Not hanging on by a thread, but standing on top of the mountain with the first overcomer, Jesus. You are pardoned. You are forgiven. Now receive it. The work has already been done for whosoever will believe. As for me in this house, we want the full benefit of that blood. We want all perversion and all depravity eradicated out of the nucleus of our beings. Sounds like a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, doesn't it? The bride of Christ. Oh, man, it could get sloppy out there trying to achieve things, but just let what Christ did do the work. If you're having a hard time receiving what Christ has done, search out a godly pastor to give you some good advice. Maybe they'll tell you, just if you're having a hard time and you can't receive, go fast for a few days if you want to. Just fast. Fast for a few days. And ask God, say, God, I'm going to take these next three days. I'm going to fast before you in this area. And I'm going to ask you to deal a blow, a death blow to the iniquity in my life. I'm going to ask you to tread it and trample it, which was already accomplished in what they did to Jesus. But I'm going to ask you to transfer it by your spirit as a living force inside of me to explode and do what it's intended to do. All right, that's it, that's it. Praise the Lord. Love you guys. Have a great week. You've been listening to New Wine Ministries. If you would like to support this ministry, or listen, maybe you've been listening and you'd like to give your tithes or offerings from New Wine Ministry, you know what? You can do that online if you'd like to. I'll show you how to do it if you, if you want to. You could actually go to nwmglobal.org under the donations tab. It's right there on the screen. If you would like to give to this work, to this ministry, there it is right there. We'd love for you to share your giving. And if uh, you want to give that to the Lord as a special offering, say, Lord, thank you for what you've done. Here's my offering. We would be happy to receive it. It would be a great blessing to the work that we do. And we would praise the Lord for it. And we'll ask the Lord to bless your seed, multiply your seed sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness, just like the word of God says he would do. Having said that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go goodbye, spend the rest of this day. Remember, it's nine below zero outside, but it's hot in here. I pray you've had a warm time with us today. Stay warm. 
There's a lot more to talk about. There's no doubt about that. A lot more to learn about these days that we're going into. Pure heart, pure mind, we're going to be able to focus clearly and we're going to be able to get things done properly by being directed and led by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. That's what it's all about. Have a great day. Shalom and God bless you. Right now, Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, omegaradio.org, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a roundtable discussion on how to deal with iniquity. Can you believe it? We'll see you soon. I hope you get there. Patricia Joy Xavier, roundtable discussion. God bless everybody.